Dear Ann Landers, my husband Dear and I Abby, are in shock. I'm extremely upset. My son got married in Dear Ann Landers, I'm very happy to hear that his wife is working out of the woman here at She thinks way too much of herself. She had to get married. Dear Pod. Where in Germany? But now, Texas. because of coronavirus, we can't have people from other countries here. So, right. so if you go to the Epcot World Showcase, it's uh, like Tony from Paris, Illinois. It's like, hey Ben, Paris, I don't believe that you're actually from China, but okay, I'll suspend the disbelief while right. I'm here. Because Thank you for the Mickey Rooney disguise. Exactly. It's not offensive at all. I feel totally safe yeah. and balanced. No, this is great. I want to leave. So glad I came to Disney. Have you ever seen the movie The Descent? Oh, Patty. Do you even know me? No. Have I, I seen the movie? De- I own the DVD of Descent, and I watched it by myself at 1 o'clock in the morning just to ramp it up another level. Yeah. Because I'm a cutter. I thought that that was one of the sleeper hit movies See, I always trust a horror movie that does not have a celebrity in it. It's always a good horror movie. Well, so you like Rob Zomb- Zombie movies then? I hate Rob Zombie. Zombie? Zombie. <laughs> hey, I hey, hate Zombie. Rob Zombie. Wait, wait. Why are you bringing up The Descent? Um, well, because our, our topic of today. Oh, climbing, hiking, spelunking. They camping. were spelunking. Right. They had it coming. If you choose to spelunk, you are on your own. So there's a sequel, and then there was like a bunch of other ones, like which I almost watched last night, which I forgot. I think it was like Time Hopper, Time Jump, or I don't know what it's called. Uh-huh. Um, but they make me so anxious mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because there's one thing about climbing. I get it, although I don't understand how you get back down. Yeah. Because that makes, I, I just don't, you're not seeing wh- where you're going. You only see up. Oh, the getting down part would be so nice, though. What? I would just sit on my ass and just ride. That's the easy part, the getting down part. Oh, I don't think so. Mm, I think the ascension is the tough part. But, but I don't know. We'll ask our guest today. We'll find out. And then spelunking, it's like you're crawling into like someone's asshole and then stuck in there and hope to God that the earth doesn't shift. I, if you have to be, you have to have something wrong in your head to want to spelunk. Correct. And what what's the technical term for what they were doing? It's like cave dipping or something. <laughs> cave dipping. Cave dipping. Is- Welcome to Joanna Gaines's cave dipping. <laughs> I thought it sounded like a gay bar. Are you guys going to Cave Dippers tonight? It's a new place that just opened on Restaurant Row. Melanie and Ashley and I are going to go to Cave Dipping. <laughs> cave Dippers also sound delicious. I would never be belayed into a cave, get into water. I mean, and the thing is, people do this and people really love it and they're adrenaline junkies and they get off on it. Who is the first person who spelunked that area that got to map it out? You want to take a left at where my friend's body is and you'll find like a little hole in there and you swim through it. But how do you know how to get out? You don't. I don't understand. I feel like it's a one-way ticket. I'm a little running out of it. Like, like, honestly, I've only done this once, which we've talked about. But Spelunking? Well, 
yeah, cave some. But Rem- it's like Wait, once you've you- actually gone into the caves. Yes, once. But the, were these like the them. safe caves? These was like the polar caves in New Hampshire. No, this is like in the in Bloomington, Indiana. Like in a cave where you like basically climb into, you have to be on your belly for like 100 yards or something. No. When did you do this? This is in my fraternity. And I was like, I'll never do this again. And then they're like, okay, now we got to wherever we need to go. Now we have to get back out. I'm like, what? I'm like looking for that emergency exit. What was this hazing thing? No, it's just like a team bonding thing. Oh, go to hell with your team. Okay. There is an I in team. And it's in front of the IHOP, which is where I'll be when you guys get out of this cave. But what I just don't understand about these things is like you, I don't understand like the point. Why, what do you get off on doing that? Like you, so you get to, what if you get lost? There are so many things, factors, like. But like, how do you know that there's an exit on the other side? How do you know? Yeah. How do you know that it hasn't been caved in or like getting your way back out? Or like, what if there's a a crazy person? My biggest concern would be honest to God, like getting my ass caught. Just swimming through a little hole and I'm like, I made it. Ugh. And then like my hips wouldn't let me go through. That's your worst fear? I, I have a lot of worst fears, but that okay. is definitely up there. The idea that you could see the light at the end of the tunnel, you're about to get out, and then like a piece of your body is too big for the hole, which yeah, you know how I feel. Because then I'd be like, I shouldn't have had that Krispy Kreme. Oh my God, it's my fault. Then you die, and then you go up to heaven. He's like... It was that donut. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna. You're right. Is it my wop? Did that? Did that stop? <laughs> it's your wet ass pussy. That's what Jesus. Have says. you watched that video? No. I have questions about the the mansion in the wet ass pussy video. You need to watch it. It's like a little bit Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's right. a little bit Beetlejuice. Yes, it's more Beetlejuice. It's a very expensive mansion. What I don't understand is if you read like any Billy Joel lyrics, which are really I think pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then you like when you used to buy CDs and you read through, you know, all the they're like, wow, that's liner really notes, yeah, liner notes, it's yeah. beautiful, it's beautiful. Oh, that's it's awesome. Poetry, yeah. Uh, cathedrals of our own, whatever, whatever. The summer, what is it? Summer Highland, Falls. Summer Highland Falls. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful lyrics. Mm-hmm. We can argue and we compromise. Blah 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 blah. Whatever it is, and then you turn to. Get a bucket and a mop for my wet ass pussy. <laughs> I was just looking up the lyrics for WAP. WAP, WAP, you know, WAP. I've been just on a, a big wet ass pussy. Ani DeFranco kick lately for some reason, and she's a poet. And the words are like buildings and bridges are made to bend in the wind to withstand the world. That's what it takes. Beat it up, catch a charge, extra large and extra hard. Put this pussy right in your face. Mm-hmm. In the words of, I think it was Frost, who said, I do a keggle while it's inside. Spit in my mouth. Look in my eyes. Poetry. Welcome, welcome to Dear Pod, the comedy advice podcast. I'm your host, Barry Bostwick. Remember him? I do. And I'm Catherine and Jimmy. Oh, I love her. And we're coming to you from the Maha Bar in the beautiful Pineapple Ranch. Can I hear it? When I found this place and I came in, 
I can't tell you what I did. I had to do the whole house. I had to. I mean, something like oh, no. this. And the other ones I bought were so unbelievably beautiful. You could never find these curtains anywhere. Believe me, you could never. Never. That's why it's worth it. Yes. I'm so glad this place is here right around the corner from where I live. Can't go any place else for curtains except oh, this stop. place. It's stop unbelievable what she's got here. It's unbelievable. It's so beautiful. Look at this. Talk about something different. Oh, for the spring and summer. Brightened up my whole house. So pretty. Why have I never done this as a monologue? Do you swap out curtains for the seasons? And why are they covered in plastic? It's because everything they're they're interviewing her from inside the curtain factory, but she keeps touching the the plastic on the curtain. She makes it seem like she's buying caramels or something. Yes, there's something that makes me so uncomfortable. If you haven't, go online and watch the clip of the curtain lady. All you ever have to put in is curtain lady. It's kind of like when Barbara Streisand talks about food, and the way that she talks oh. about it, it's like that. You can, it, it's something's off about it. Like, I, I can't even put my finger on it. I know. It's like... Neither can she because of her nails. She's... I still don't understand with women and the nails and going to the bathroom. What do you do? What do you do with that wet-ass pussy? <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> knuckle it, but like third interior knuckle it. So this week, like all weeks, we are giving you quality comedy content. Oh, aren't we, though? True, true. True, it's so true. Um, and we are bringing you old school advice for new school problems. Follow us on your social media at DearPodOfficial. You can email us any question, DearPodOfficial, at gmail.com. Of course, our webby website where we have all of our every last bloody episode we have uh dearpodofficial.com and finally our patreon page uh that is patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com backslash dearpodofficial are we still saying backslash i don't know oh, you but we, you can also backslash. find us on instagram where you can always send us a little a little blurb a little question if you will sometimes we have it up there Send Topic a shout of, out. of the week. Um, I've been getting mm. a lot of spam lately saying, we'd so, like to collab with you. Yeah. And it's always a girly girl site where the girls are wearing the inspirational shirts or the shirts that tell you how to live. And I'm like, are you, do you? Don't preach You don't want to collab with me. No. No. I'm not wearing a coffee first shirt. I'm not this girl. So I like getting I like getting spammed by somebody trying to collab with me. So uh, collaborate with us at Dear Pot Official on your socials, ladies. Oh, that hurts. So our topic for today is uh, this is a big week for us. I picked Correct. a very random topic, and I thought we need to bring in a special guest on this one, somebody who knows more about this than us, because this week's topic is. Camping slash, camping slash hiking slash mountaineering slash 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 from Guns and Roses slash from Guns and Roses. That's next week. We're yes. gonna find plenty of articles about that. I'm sure Ann Landis had plenty to say about slash. Why are your guitar licks so sweet? Damn it. Yes, I like that we had to bring in an outside source on this. Uh, so we'll be introducing him very soon because you and I are you a camper? What's wrong with you? No, I'm not I, a camper. I'm sorry for even asking. I know. I'm not. I, I've done it twice in my life, and I'm, one of them was glamping, and that is not 
It's not camping. It's not the glut. No, no, can't. It's not glamorous. It was. There's nothing glamorous about sleeping outside and being attacked by a bear. No, and especially this place. But you did have the ability to plug in your phone. That's not camping. But not in your own. They're not tents. They're like wooden little huts. I froze my ass off too, and it was in August. It was in the bowels of Maine in August. So I thought it's summer. I'm going to bring my summer clothes while we glamp. And um, I ended up wearing everything I brought with me overnight. No. Like three, four pairs of pants, every shirt that I brought, hats, fedoras, jaunty felt caps, yeah. anything that I could find. Sure. I froze bowels off. Aaron, why did you bring all these boas? I just didn't know if I was going to need them. I didn't know what kind of camp this was. <laughs> you come out looking like Mrs. Roper. It's... <laughs> The, what's the wig? How I did you get a kimono out here? It's real, you know. I went to the Paris Hilton camp. Mm. Oh, God. Tell me about your camping experience. I went camping at Fort Wilderness in Disney. That's not really camping. But that's that was the extent. And I was like, we're good. You're not camping to... if there's a buffet where you can get a Mickey head waffle. I just, I, I mean, I like the idea of camping, but I don't. I don't either. I like the image of a tent. I don't want to be in it. Yeah, I think I like that sort of 1950s version of camping where it's like a lot of plaids. Yeah. And maybe one of those like cute station wagons. Right. I don't like the... um, Like vintage Poconos. I think you and I have probably seen too many um, horror movies. movies. Yes. So I think that we can't really enjoy it. Do you See like this. open water? <gasps> not the movie, but just open waters in general. Oh, in general, no. I right. am not a water did person. You, right. Did you watch Jaws when you were a kid? Of course I did. Scarred for life. Right. Uh, and, and I lost my mind, and the only way my mother could calm me down was to tell me that the shark was at craft services. <laughs> like, like you're goes... going to be like, oh, can you pass me those M&Ms? Oh, you're that shark. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'll be back for the sequel. <laughs> Hey, I'd like to get an egg white omelet with broccoli. I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but were you were you the shark in Jaws? Did you just try to eat Roy Schneider? I did. Oh my god, that was so good. Thank you. I thought it was, I didn't think it was going to make it out of the water. I'm sorry, I won't interrupt you. I know you. No, need no, to no. Get... It's okay. I already ate. A, I already ate three other people. Oh, okay. But you're w- waiting for an omelet, and I don't want to like cut. No, in front it's of fine. You. It's oh, fine. Okay. The guy ate. Funny enough, the guy just ate an omelet before I ate him. So, <laughs> so it's kind of like a turducken thing. <laughs> Anyway, I had on enough about me. Do yeah. you like chocolate? <laughs> that was the only thing that she could say to calm me down. Of course, now, mind you, they're like, sit, child. Watch watch a, 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 a huge, great, white, annihilate bodies in Cape Cod, where you're growing up not too far from there, where we, <laughs> where we go for summers. That was the other thing. It was like, we would go to Cape Cod. Well, and also, like, there's, you know... Camp Crystal Lake and uh, Friday the th- Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of camping. Yeah, bodies of water, bad things happen. Cabin mm-hmm. in the Woods, another one. Cabin in the Woods, great movie. Or like so any great. babysitter movie, it's like I don't want to fucking babysit. You don't come home. Yeah, so it's like basically camping, hiking, outdoors activities gets a bad rap from my favorite genre of movie, the horror. Right, and then the James Franco, which is not a horror movie, but. <gasps> 
quote, 148 hours. I wonder hours. if he hates that movie because 100, 127 hours. I like that, that you added. It's I don't know. It, just let me, I'm going to tell you this. If it was an hour and a half, I'd be dead. <laughs> I don't need 127 yeah, I don't hours. Need, I got I'd you be beat. Like, I give it 20 minutes tops. I would take one look at my arm wedged in between that boulder and be like, oh, oh, I've lived it. a good life. Goodbye, cruel world. <laughs> They're like, ma'am, you're, can you move your car? Like, what? You're just parked in the 7-Eleven. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been here for 127 hours. You're just tripping, boo. Like, I'm at the summit. No, you're in Summit, New Jersey. Oh. You drank your own urine. You didn't have to because we have coconut water inside. Oh. Oh. (laughs) I'm in Summit, New Jersey. That's the only summit you'll ever catch me on. The only Kilimanjaro will will be the one at Disney in Animal Kingdom. I mean, sorry. That's it. I've ridden the ride. I mean, I I wish I was like, you know, Fratagonia and all like, you know, sleeping in a tent and farting out, you know, hot dogs, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I tried, but no. You tried. You broke back mountain. You tried. Um, all right. Let's do articles. Okay. Let's just go in before my computer dies. All right. This is from the Fort Lauderdale News. In Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Shocker. February 24th, 1966. The title? Camping's Out for Teens. <laughs> Which I was like, wow, if there is a, a hill that I'm dying on, yeah. it's this article. Dear Ann Landers, my husband and I have both read your book, Ann Landers Talks to Teenagers About Sex, at the request of our 16-year-old daughter. And we feel that you possess a great deal of common sense. We want you to give us one word reply to our question. Yes or no. That's all they want. Good luck. It is not essential that you give reasons for your reply, because there has been endless discussion on the subject. Your answer will be final. Our 16-year-old girl has been invited by the parents of her boyfriend on a 10-day camping trip. Their son is 16, too, and has no brothers or sisters. It would just be the four of them. Yes or no. Signed, all ears. Dear all, no. And thank you for making it so easy. Oh, Anne. Wow. No. I'm no. surprised she, I'm surprised that she, well, she didn't really buy by it. Otherwise, she would have been like, no, Anne. Uh, yeah, if she really <clears throat> stuck to her promise, which is just, I just, can you imagine that that woman who wrote it was like, I said. One yes word, yes or no. Or no. Jesus, you can't follow her. How can I ask my daughter to follow directions if you can't answer a yes or fucking no? Then go off. Go off on the camping Whatever. trip and get pregnant. <laughs> I don't care anymore. I don't care if they all take turns on you. If Ann Landers can't do it. If I can't take a turn on Ann Landers. <laughs> I would say no just to camping. That's a 10-day camping trip. Unless you don't want her to come back. Again, abduct your daughter day. It's abduct your daughter, bring her to work day. Yay. How was your weekend? I was abducted. What? I'm sorry, what? But it wasn't really abducted. I was sort of abducted, but... 16? I wouldn't go with my boyfriend on a camping trip. Oh, my God. I'm sure I would, like, muscle my mother into saying yes, though. I'm very persuasive like that. Yeah, but then he's like, think about all like your daily routine of all the things you got to do 
Especially oh, girls. Exactly. Like girls in the 60s and she has to set her hair the night before and then she has to do like an oatmeal mask twice a week. And, and then what if like something doesn't agree with you because I have a travel stomach and I'm sure a lot of people do and all of a sudden it's like, I'll be right <laughs> this back. This is and always like, where your brain, I mean, your brain rotates fecally anyway. This is does. where you go. It's all it's filled with. But your, your brain is filled with shit. But it's, but more it's like, of, look at these beautiful flowers over there. Don't go over there. But like, what do you we mean? We have way too many discussions about camping uh-huh. and pooping. Sure. And it's a real thing. It's like, logistics, Aaron. It's this, logistics. Like Where are you supposed to fucking go? This podcast, when we were talking about Brokeback Mountain, what your obsession was, was what they were eating before they got sucky, sucky time at the Because <laughs> it's a real thing. As a gay man, you have to be careful. Like, if one is receiving and not giving, you have to be prepared. You can't stock the house with beans and franks and expect it to come out nice. I'm going to need a PowerPoint presentation okay, on this. I fucking can. I fucking can. Can. Give me an article. Okay. The Daily Spectrum from St. George, Utah, June 27th, 1995. Dear Abby, while camping with my husband last year, we were distressed to see so many campers who are unaware when that when a light or lantern is inside a tent, their every move is silhouetted outside the tent. <laughs> These campers unknowingly put on quite a show when undressing for bedtime. To maintain a sense of modesty before bedtime, before bedtime, we lay out our night clothes to change into, then move the light outside of our tent while changing. Sign me, Eiffel in Arizona. Dear Wait, Eiffel. Ned time. <laughs> Ned time. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's time for Ned Beatty time. Uh, Ned Beatty walks in just fat and is like, all right, you guys. It's, it's time for Ned me. time. Feast on this. Who wants on? Dear Eiffel, your letter was a first... There is something new under the sun and the moon as well. But dun dun. Oh, and the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I like for a couple of things. I like that they brought like clothes to change into at night as if they're like Mr. <laughs> <and> Mrs. Howell <laughs> <laughs> from Gilligan's Island. And like it's all they're worried about is like changing, not like someone like we went to bed last night and we just saw you and Tommy and Jane. Doing something together. <laughs> this is a very, well, this whole tent light play is very Austin Powers. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing I thought about was that like that whole segment in Austin Powers yeah. in the tent. Yeah. Um, and don't think for a second that if Gilligan's Island happened in real life that I wouldn't be Mrs. Howell. Well, of course. I need a costume change. Like, I, I, I like, can you imagine like, oh, well, we were laying up, first of all, how big is the tent that they were laying out their clothes for the night? <laughs> like, what? If you have the room for that, that is some Patagonia shit. That that's, is like a, that's a tiny house. That's not somebody a Somebody went to tent. REI. Yeah. Oh, I love a tiny house. Though. I don't. That's so stupid. Like, if you have the opportunity to get a bigger house, great. But if you have a tiny house that's pre-existing. If you have a tiny house and you don't have any clothes, perfect. Lay out your clothes on the lawn. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what they did on the sand. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, Just go I with me ge- on this I one. I guess so. But can you imagine not knowing? Like, oh yeah, like you, like here's the candles and everything. Like, I love you so much. I love you too. <laughs> and you're just like. What a great night. Well, oh my God. What's that sound? What what is that over there? What is what they brought popsicles and they didn't even tell us about it? <laughs> oh 
my God. It looks like they're really enjoying it. I will never look at popsicles the same way again. Uh, why are they? But I don't understand why she's eating a popsicle like that. Why is she on her knees? Yeah. I don't know. Is the popsicle in the ground? And she it must be too cold. <laughs> But you know, it's funny. It must be like an everlasting, everlasting popsicle because it's never going down in sight. Oh, there it went down. <laughs> <laughs> Took four hours. But once oh those pills God. wear off. All right. Final, final article from the journal Herald in Dayton, Ohio, June 26, 1958. Shoot. Oh, camping teenagers need a chaperone. We have a theme going here. Dear Anne. Four of us gals who will graduate together next year want to spend a week at a lake resort. We are all 16 years old. One girl has permission from her folks, but three of us are having a problem. This particular resort is beautiful and not very expensive. The trouble is some kids got into a jam up there last summer and it sort of gave the place a bad name. We are all respectable girls and we don't want to go up there to be wild. My parents say it's not decent for 16-year-old girls to be alone for a whole week in the woods without a chaperone. My mother offered to come along. One of the other mothers suggested the same. We think they ought to have enough trust in us to let us be on our own. After all, nice girls are nice in any place. Do you agree? Signed, The Quads. Oh, God. Dear Quads. Big legs. (laughs) (laughs) Dear big legs. Well, what do you bench? 250? I agree. Nice girls are nice any place. Therefore, I think you gals should have no objections to a chaperone. What's wrong with having an older person there to witness your nice, clean fun? Sorry, girls, if you think I'm going to bat for four 16-year-olds who want to spend a week in the woods alone, you came to the wrong place. What a bitch. What? No, I'm not going to vouch for you, stupids. Please, I know you're going to go up there and... And do the drugs and smoke the weed. Do the drugs and 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 M's and 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 crank calls and whatnot. And whoopee cushions and freezing your bras and good clean fun. Farting in each other's mouths. Why? Why? Wait, no, no, no. That's so specific that I'm not ready to move away from it. You don't want to move no, away from that fart? I don't want to move away. It's brutal. It's going to be brutal. Did this really happen? I don't know. I'm you not a woman. You went to a frat. I feel like I didn't fart in a... anyone's <laughs> Not yet. I haven't spent the night here yet. Well, that's God, just right of passage. Jim's here. breath is terrible. That's because I farted in it. Oh, my God. I think girls did freeze their bras in the 60s. It's what like a, stupid a way thing. of having fun. Oh, look, my nipples are fucking hard as rocks now. <laughs> That's fucking I, like, why would like, what's the point? What's the point? I, you know, I need a bra first and then I'll let you know. That's right. Uh, and I want to know what she doesn't tell is what kind of trouble happened there last summer. What was the story? You know, there was the trouble is some kids got into a jam up there last summer and it gave the place a bad rap. What happened? What was the jam? Was it actually like a, a room filled with jam? jam? Yeah, naked jam fucking. For that wet ass jam. <laughs> Do that wa- <laughs> wash, wash, wash for that wet ass jam. <laughs> wash, 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 wash. 
Here we go. This is from the Asheville Citizen Times, Asheville, North Carolina, October 2nd, 1993. I like Asheville. Dear Abby, I have a best friend. I'll call her Janet. Oh. For many years. We've had a few problems that we have managed to get through, but a more difficult problem has occurred, and I need your advice. Just a few weeks ago, Janet told me that she is gay, and our friendship has not been the same since. I feel uncomfortable talking to her and being around her. If possible, please give me some advice soon because Janet invited me to go camping with her and I don't know what to do. <laughs> Signed, Canadian Reader. Okay. Janet invited me to go to a clam bar and I don't know what to do. <laughs> is that code for something? I don't know. Of course, let's call her Janet. This article is from the 80s. She, she Janet invited, invited me to clam bar. She invited me to go eat tacos. She invited me to the pink tacos <laughs> for lunch. Everything sounds vaginal. <laughs> the clam bar, the taco, the pink taco. We settled on having muffins instead. I, w- I asked her to go to the hot dog stand, but she didn't seem too into she it. She said, absolutely not. <laughs> I can't. So she responds with, dear reader, you and Janet need to have a serious talk. Ask her whether her feelings for you go any deeper than a cherished friendship. She may say no. It would be a shame to lose a, la- a long-standing friendship because of a misunder- misunderstanding. The fact that Janet is gay does not necessarily mean that she is attracted to you at all, or is attracted to all women. Straight people are not necessarily attracted to every person of the opposite sex either. Sexual feelings are only part of a person's life. Amen, Abby. I was going to say, what makes you think? (laughs) However, I wouldn't go on that clamping trip. I mean, camping trip. I wouldn't go on that clamping trip. (laughs) (laughs) So, this week on Dear Pod, in honor of our camping slash hiking slash outdoor slash slash theme, We have a very special guest. I'm very excited to introduce him. He is a multi-hyphenate in the truest sense of the word. He is a worldwide adventure icon slash entrepreneur slash keynote speaker slash author. He has climbed all seven summits of the world. That's right, babies. He has climbed Mount Everest. He is a highly sought-after motivational speaker and just released a new book called The Warrior Challenge, Eight Quests for Boys to Grow Up with Kindness, Courage, and Grit. Oh, oh, did I mention he also released a documentary called Mount Vincent, available on YouTube. He loves kite surfing, long walks on the beach as long as they're at 10,000 feet above sea level. And most importantly, his brother married my cousin. So please, welcome to Dear Pod, Mr. John Feedy. Thank you very much for having me here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen to all of those socially distant people supporting you, sir. We are thrilled. That number of slashes and hyphens, I don't know if I've ever had a better introduction. Oh, man, slashes and hyphens are the name of your game. In mountaineering, we think slashes are a very different thing. Like, go over behind that rock and take a slash. Oh, wow. Um, That's what we are going to adopt on our podcast for the rest of the time we're here. What does that mean? Boys, take a a slash. Of all the crap that we talk about on this podcast with bodily functions. Take a slash? Yes. Did you say that in the documentary? I don't remember. I do love the, uh, the, the, the little igloo where you all have to go to the bathroom. Oh, like, so they take a slash. And that's where you would, knock into That's where head. you would take a slash. It's a very Aussie, very UK term. 
Okay. Excuse me, I've got to go take a slash. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. See how different it is with an yeah. accent, y'all? When Oliver Twist comes on and takes That's a slash. Right. Please, sir, can I have another slash? <laughs> you know, the best part is where after watching everything and reading everything and, and Googling the crap out of you, I felt just successful writing that intro for you. And I really pat myself on the back, millennial style. It's mm. like, wow, I wrote an, I wrote a paragraph about a guy. I should go take a nap and then have a drink. Good for me. <laughs> But you, um, sir, you're everywhere doing everything. It's definitely a lot of fun right now. Um, even in quarantine, I'm everywhere via the web. So I'm doing podcasts. I'm writing this book promotion, giving virtual keynotes. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's amazing. You're still working through this. What's that? I know. I got to stay productive somehow. We just I heard you on the uh, Dad Bros podcast. Oh, nice. That was a fun one. Yeah, that was really... Uh... It was just interesting on everyone's take on like your book about about boys growing up in the masculinity question and the yeah. way that you talk about it was actually really refreshing because it, you it, you kind of go at it with you don't go at it in the negative which I feel like a lot of people do and you kind of right. you kind of approach it more of like the embracing whatever it is it is you know yeah, a lot of, I think that, I mean, that's the point of this book. It's called The Warrior Challenge, Eight Quests for Boys to Grow Up with Kindness, Courage, and Grit. And it's four young men. So it's four parents and uh, aunts, uncles, grandparents to give to the young men, hopefully read it with them. And it's not about like making a young man feel shameful for being a young man, mm -hmm. which is a lot of the energy that I think they're getting. Instead, it's like a rite of passage of what kind of young men do we want in our world? Well, I think guys who grow up with values and are living in the strength of their character by those values. So that's what the book aims to teach. It's a riot of passage. Uh, there's adventure stories galore in it that make uh, living by these values tantamount with just the craziest adventures in the world and making it cool to have integrity, to be emotionally vulnerable and honest, to set boundaries, um, to know what it is to ask for consent, whether it's holding hands or a sexual relationship, having a purpose in life, all that's in this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but what have you done today? <laughs> <laughs> I washed my car. I, mean, I washed my, my camper van. <laughs> even that, even that's too much, John. Uh, well, then let's dive in and let's talk about the book first and then we'll work our way backwards because we have a million questions for you. Oh my God. Um, this book, okay, so I, I, I have the audio copy of it. You can go on audible.com and listen to the man himself speaking to you saying all these wonderful words. And I was also reading along because <laughs> it's kind of like a workbook. What's so cool about this is how accessible you've made it. It's You're telling stories, some real stories of real people, but you're also sort of making it a bit of a hybrid and, and also adding um, a kind of grander storytelling aspect to it, which is Thanks really for recognizing cool. that. That's, yes. that's a cool bit of feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, and also it's it's peppered with animation that is is comic book animation, which I love because I'm a mm -hmm. nerd. So and, and in the beginning of every chapter, you have a, a famous quote that sort of vaults the chapter off in the direction that you want to go in. And of course, one of the chapters begins with a quote from Ann Landers. Of course it does. I should actually get that right yeah, now. Yeah, could you read it to us? Yeah. Could you read me well, a bedtime story, John? I don't know why it wasn't ready right off the bat, but absolutely I can read you a we bedtime story. Anything, uh, it's but... page 217, not that oh. I've memorized, oh. right? Let me see if I've got it in my, my 
So this, this chapter is called, this is the final of the eight challenges. It's called Choose Your Battleground. And it's the story of Robert Smalls, who in my opinion is the most inspirational American hero that you've never heard about. He was a slave born in Charleston, South Carolina. Well, uh, he worked in Charleston, South Carolina um, and escaped the South by pirating a warship and sailing it to the Union's blockade winning his freedom and he did it by commandeering the boat dressing up as the captain and he just flat out got on top of the boat waved goodbye to everyone in the charleston harbor walking moving as though he was the captain because he studied his motions his his body language for months so he dressed just like him moved just like him commanded just like him trained his voice to sound just like him and then he sailed his 18 men to freedom um so this is where that that quote comes from the that start of that insane. chapter. Insane. Oh God. Yeah. Impressionists are going to make a difference in the world. So basically, <laughs> I'm going to take over Liza Minnelli's life, and that's a really crap one to step into. <laughs> because but, there's okay. only three years left. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> okay, here we go. Ann Landers, who was not in the Civil War. This is came. This came later, but it's still related. Related theme. Some people believe holding on and hanging in there are signs of great strength. However. There are times when it takes much more strength to know when to let go and then do it. And Landers! And right dropping the wisdom bombs. Yeah, I think it was right probably really, gate. I'm sure that that was a quote where she's like, I just want to get a divorce. Oh, there's a time when you just got to let them know when to go out to sea. And she's like, eventually there's a guy who's going to write a book and connect this quote to something much more inspirational. But at this You're moment, welcome, man. You're welcome, she's, man. She's talking about a martini that right. she's trying to let go of out yep. of her manicured claw. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, you guys have to download the warrior challenge. It's so cool. Uh, and to listen to you say it too, how long did it take you to put this book together? I started writing it in March of 2019. So I went into quarantine. Then it took me until December to finish the, the writing process. And then of course we all shut down in March of 2020. So I had like a three month opportunity to emerge my head say i'm ready to interact with people <laughs> and then they all said no go back in your hole john this is so, your fault this, this is, is all my fault guys <laughs> you're that guy who started the year saying 2020 is my year yep yep exactly wow have, have you heard from any um like kids that have read it and like their their feedback it is like, what so are cool i had one so it's always from parents i don't hear directly from the kids because it's meant for like 10 to 16 year old kids once mm -hmm. in a while i get like a a tweet or an instagram like hey this was awesome but the coolest ones come from parents describing it i had one parent write and say my son has his warrior creed which is one of the uh objectives in the book is to create a creed that defines mm -hmm. your values um he has it on his bathroom mirror and he's brushing his teeth and reciting his warrior creed while like the, the toothpaste is bubbling in his mouth <laughs> oh my God, which i was oh my gosh my heart just melted um, i got one yesterday from a mom who one of the chapters is about self-awareness and it uh, follows Danny Wei, who's a skateboarder who jumped over the Great Wall of China on his skateboard and the, it teaches self-awareness, how to observe your body. And I talk about this concept of uh, your, your verbal inner roommate, who's the, like the guy on your shoulder talking crap to you or the gal on your shoulder talking mm -hmm. crap to you. So she, the mom writes me and says, my son was at his soccer game and he told me as he got out of the car to go play soccer, that 
his inner roommate is not allowed at this game and he's going all at it. Oh my God, I want to cry. Literally, <laughs> because my inner roommate has been here for 43 years and that hooker, she is just exhausting. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting is talking about the inner roommate because you talk about that uh, in a similar term in the, uh, in the documentary. Yeah. And you're talking about the devil inside. Yeah, sure. Which that's kind the of devil so in your the mind, documentary. Right? It's like the adult language for it. Yeah. We all have this inner verbal abuser. I have it when I'm climbing mountains and when I'm at my most exhausted state, that's when it comes out and makes itself most clear. It's like, you don't have this, you don't deserve to be here. You're only dragging this team down. So turn back. Um, uh, it tells me I'm not enough. And I think that if we're all honest, every one of us has this, but it's just a construct of our brains. It's not the real you, it's not the real identity. And if you can get good at observing it and seeing, oh, there's that hooker inside, <laughs> there's that asshole. <laughs> Look, that's- There's oh, that hooker inside I'm gonna get again. 10% on the next book if you use that term. That, my hooker inside is a pain. The, the inner hooker will be the adult version. Yes, so, yes. But I'm like, why, don't, why does it take us 43 years, or in my case, 38 years, to be able to recognize this voice? And like, I have, I have 57-year-old uh, men writing me and saying, I read this with my son, and I didn't know that it was okay to like set a boundary. Why does it take us that long? to learn this stuff, why don't we teach it to middle school and high school students, young men, so that they can become grown men and immediately own what it is to be an uplifting human being. Yeah, well, the agitation I feel like starts when you deny that that voice is ever happening. So it mm. makes it okay for you. Your book is very actionable. That's the other thing. There's a lot of, a lot of like assignments in the book that you can read it along with your kid and then they, they go and they can practice these things. And you say, here's right. your goals from as a result of what you've just read in this last chapter. And even cool things that you've picked up along the way, tricks to get you through these thresholds, like the uh, five, two, seven breath. Yep, breathing, yep, how to watch your breath, that's right. Yeah, and that comes from the Navy SEALs where basically you inhale for five counts, you hold for two, you exhale for seven. And that kind of, the breathing thing sends a signal to your brain that overrides that nervous sort of knee-jerk reaction, right? That, absolutely right. So I interviewed a lady, her name is Dr. Mithu Steroni, and she wrote a book called Stress Proof. And I asked her, if teenagers are dealing with anxiety so much and tweens are being raised with all these pings and dings going around from social media and like they're connected to their phones and that's what's the creation of anxiety how do we stop that and she gives me an answer that nobody wants to hear but it works which is learn to control your breath that's how you calm yourself down that's how you can like reset your baseline um, and so she told me about this this skill that navy seals uh practice in order to calm their nervous systems down which is that five, two, seven, breathing in for five, one, two, three, four, five, hold your breath for two, one, two, and then out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And if you do that, then you do that like six times, you can feel yourself just smooth out. Oh, I love stuff like that. Me too. Mm, it's powerful. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you're kind of an authority on this because you have, have achieved human feats that are just beyond and above what the average Joe is planning to do. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, yes, John Beatty has climbed all seven summits, the big ones, the Everest, the Vincent, and he has a documentary on YouTube that you guys have to check out called Mount Vincent, which was, I think, your final one that you did, right? 
That was the final one. I'm going to go back and do all the others, though. What? What do you mean? I'm like, I'm, no, I'm going to like make videos of all the footage. I was oh. like, don't do it again. John, I'm so tired. I'm, I'm, I'm so tired from who's, climbing with you. Who's, who's the Greek guy that's pushing the boulder up the hill? Like, and he's just, that's, that's me. I just go climb all seven summits, and I'm like in this endless loop of endless mountaineering. Stop it, Sisyphus. Go to Pizza Hut or something. Take a break. Honest to God, I ran half a marathon and I went and I got a pizza and two bottles of wine and I did not feel bad about it after that fact. What was the, I got to know, this is just a curiosity thing. When you were done with your final summit, what was the first thing you did when you got home? Final summit was Vincent. I didn't even go home. I booked my, I rerouted my departure uh, from South America to land in Panama and I spent 10 days on the beach eating as much as I could, uh, drinking uh, uh, pina coladas and surfing. Oh, thank oh God. God. <laughs> I would do that now without climbing a mountain. You don't need the yeah. mountain to, to yeah, earn that yeah, one. I'm like, I need to go climb in Antarctica. <laughs> Just take that middleman right out of there. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, that frostbite alone, and be like, I know, I gotta go. The blisters. I gotta go sit at Turks and Caicos for a little while. You know, the way that you narrate this documentary, which is absolutely incredible, and even like the um, the struggles, the way that you phrase everything, um, is so beyond like the struggle. Like when you talk about. you know that you're in God's cathedrals, and this is this is your church in the mountains. Mm, that's my favorite part of the whole thing. It literally is like, and then you look at it, and you're like, oh my god! I guess so. It kind of when you when you reach those points, when you see visions that like most people don't, other than on film, yeah. which you know, as we all know, like yeah, a picture is one thing, but actually being someplace is completely different. It, it's incredible. And what the other thing I thought you so you you narrate this whole thing, and you document your whole journey, and then your camera blanks out towards the end, which is kind of right. amazing because then you you are allowed to experience the summit without anybody. I mean, then, uh, exactly. then your other camera kicks in. But you're able to like have that experience. I, I just found that so incredible. Um, you know, that's such a good observation that it made it only for me and the team. And instead of making it about somebody else, uh, it was about what does this mean to you as a person? And kind of this whole like thread started with why would you try a second mountain or why would you do a seventh mountain? And I think that it ultimately started these climbs with me wanting to prove something to the world. Like, let me show my mountain badassery to everybody and I'll like be this hero who comes down and like has conquered. Somewhere around like the third, fourth mountain, it was about, okay, that's kind of cool to have a picture on the summit. But now it's about the teams that I go with. And I learned that with my dad going to Kilimanjaro. Um, like, how is this a connective experience? And then finally, by the seventh of the seven summits, it became, what does this journey mean for personal interchange that means nothing to anybody except myself? And I don't give a damn whether somebody thinks that what I say in that documentary is totally like out there, wackadoodle stuff, or if they totally resonate with it, because that's the journey I went through. And that's all that uh, that's all I can do in the end for, for changing myself or changing the world. Just like Gandhi said, you know, if you want to change the world, start with yourself. And for me, that's how the mountains took my attention off of myself or off of my need for aggrandizement and mm-hmm. put it on to just how do you become a good person for the people when you show up? 
let's talk about the thing that I'm really fascinated with, <laughs> tribal warfare. And you can answer this. You have to tell people this story because I have not heard this story. I've only heard the bullet points, and even the bullet points made me wet my pants. But go ahead. We are in Indonesia, which is where the tallest mountain in Australasia is. So it's the continent of Australasia is not just Australia, but it includes Indonesia. Um, used to We used to think it was New Zealand, but now that's a new continent. That's for a different subject. But I'm in Indonesia. And climbing this mountain range, it's called Karsten's Pyramid, which involves a 12-day jungle trek where we're in knee-to-waist-deep mud. No trudging through this like swamp there's leeches there's mosquitoes uh and it takes forever to get to the base of this climb uh when we're there this is one of the few places in the world where there is not western civilization so it's tribal communities that live off of the land there's a little bit of agriculture but mostly uh uh like there's the manny and danny tribes which are plucking fruits and walking around with spears and they have like shoots uh, on their genitals. And that's like how they, they're just naked walking around uh, like bamboo shoots. Uh, so these guys are walking with us as we're trudging through the jungle with their spears and their, their bows and arrows. And like they're, they're totally naked. Um, and we get up to the base of the climb. We climb the thing successfully, get back down. Amazing day that night suddenly all in the morning uh, three of the teammates boots were missing and all the porters and all the uh, guides who were with us are just gone so they had oh. stolen the boots gone off into the jungle we have 12 days to get back so we're like how do we turn around how do we get back well that's when the indonesian guide who was there with us says this is very bad uh there's a war that broke out between these two tribes the manny and the danny tribes and it, like you could if you sat still long enough for an hour or two hours, you could see movement in the jungle, like uh -huh. down the down the cat. So we're in this valley and you see down the way and you can see just like, oh, yeah, there were some footsteps. But you'd have to sit so still because it's not like an all out like civil war where there's troops marching at each other. It's just like guys dodging each other, almost like a game of paintball, but lethal through the jungle there, like one on one. So we're stuck there because we're in this chasm and on one side of us on the other way down that chasm is that war happening and if we go there we'll probably be taken captive as a ransom because whoever has the money is going to end up winning this war right because then they have the resources on the other side of us is the world's largest gold mine we went up to them trying to ask for help they're like no no we're not here as a resource to help other climbers they've got machine guns they're like you can't come through sorry so we're pinned down there for, I think it was four days, five days, um, just kind of sitting by this cargo, this old cargo container that we found, um, waiting, making calls. Uh, and then the phone dies, the sat phone completely dies. But I had made all these calls to family going, uh, we need help, I think. So then I, they don't hear from me and they're like, oh my gosh, he's, he's been taken captive. So that's how John Kerry got involved because my family and my friends escalated this. Like, we got to get John out. Um, and who knows what would have happened. But what ended up happening was uh, the, the gold mine was forced to send a, a van, which then took us across uh, uh, their mine to safety. Oh, 
my <laughs> god. Oh my god. Are you? <laughs> I had to write Jeez. down gold mine in the middle of that because <laughs> I wouldn't have made it I would after that 10 day track with the leeches and the, the whole like stand by me shit that you just talked about I would never have made it I love the stand by me reference I, I definitely like <laughs> there was that. no train we didn't run from no. any trains Jesus you know what you're the Christ. Will Wheaton of that adventure just like group. everyone in their briefs with the with the leeches no yeah. thank you <laughs> nope done I, I would have welcomed that tribe then. I don't even think I would have made it to the plane oh I would have gone to the plane you're like you know what guys I'm just gonna fly to Florida I think I, I had something bad later. to eat for lunch I don't think I can make it I, that's how I feel about this story. That's like, that's not, that's not real. This is like some Indiana Jones shit. I know. I also like that you ran to the people at the gold mine, like, you know what? Can you help us out? There's kind of this like civil war it, happening. Hey, I don't wanna... And that you made it sound like the gold mine was a Starbucks that somebody had to run into and go to the bathroom. <laughs> They're like, look, I just really need to use your hey, bathroom. Sorry, <laughs> my car broke down right next to that. Sorry. Sorry, like, we can't do anything for you. Yeah, Maybe you could call John Kerry. There's a Kerry. guy with a stick in his crotch. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, call them. And also having a nude guide. Oh I mean, gosh. I just this is this is why we do what we do and you do what you do right. because we would have created a complete like world war if we had. Gone I would I would have got you through it. You would have been all right. Oh, I would have been the girl I, with the stolen shoes. I would have been the guy with the pea shoes. <laughs> but they'd be it would be heels. It would be high heels because I'd be like, I didn't pack right, you guys. <laughs> I brought the Manolos. Um, wow, that huh. is insane. And yet, and what point in this, when did you first start doing this? When did this like mountain climbing become the thing for you? Uh, I was a boy scout. I was 13 years old and I, my dad forced me to go to this camp. I didn't want to go. I ended up loving it because there was rock climbing and outdoor adventure section there uh, or, or portion of the camp. And so they taught, they said, we need extra staff members. You're going to be staff and you're going to teach other kids rock climbing, rappelling, whitewater canoeing and snow hiking. And so I went through like a two week training of learning the basics of these things so I could pass them on to other scouts. So I went instantly in as an instructor. And maybe that's why my, my desire to like teach more than just the skills, like the, the values that come from it, that probably is where it comes from, right? That's like the whole point of what scouts was before it went all haywire recently was let's teach kids values. <laughs> I know it's the, the, the best intentions, you know, the best intentions. Uh, where did you grow up? Uh, here in Henderson, Nevada. Yet I spent my summers in the Pacific Northwest. That yellow, uh, yellow camper van would take us up there. My parents would spend time in Washington state. And when I got old enough, I'd went, I went to that camp. Oh, that's the place to learn how to be all outdoorsy. I love. Oh yeah. So it this so it didn't just like one day like your brain snapped and you're like I'm mm -hmm. gonna go climb this mountain. It wasn't. I've heard okay. of some climbers where that does happen like that. They oh. just sort of have. Usually, it's a breaking point. Like it's a divorce, or it's they lost their job, or it's they feel like they hit rock bottom, and then somebody says, "I I need to climb a mountain." Mm -hmm. For me, I just sort of progressively grew my climbing career from hikes to rock climbing to climbing the Grand Teton in Wyoming to I feel like I've done most of America like contiguous USA mountains let me upgrade now I went to South America climbed the tallest mountain there failed at it because I failed at it and I said well now I have even more drive because I want to figure out why I failed or what went, went wrong mm -hmm. uh, and that's how I started plucking off these seven summits was by screwing up learning something from it, 
and then trying again. When you say failed at it, what do you mean? Because uh, you got to the plane, which is a success. <laughs> it is. So what do you mean by what We're do you already patting ourselves yeah. on the back. I'm already happy. I got the like peanuts. What, what, what's considered failing? Not achieving the actual summit? Or? That's a good point. So getting home is the ultimate goal. So yes, I succeeded in that. But on that first big mountain, it's a 22,900-something foot mountain uh, called Cerro Aconcagua, which means the white sentinel in uh, the indigenous language. Uh, and it's in Argentina on the border of Chile. And we get to base camp and my lungs started filling with fluid, which is a condition called pulmonary edema, which is something that happens to every climber we've now discovered. We used to think it was like a once, like only certain people get it. Now we know that everybody has it. It's just noticeable or not noticeable. Well, mine was very noticeable. So I had to be held back. Everybody in my team goes up higher. After about five days, I recover. I go catch up with them. They were ready to go to the top. They ended up turning back. They said, no, we, we now feel sick. We can't make it. And the night before summiting, there was this lenticular cloud that forms over the summit, which is bad news in the mountains. That means huge winds coming in, giant storms. And there's this team that is gearing up and preparing to go. And I say to them, hey, guys, I don't know if today's the right day to go. And they say, well, we're going no matter what. And they booted up and they went up to to climb to the top. They ended up stuck in a storm and three of that team uh, passed away. I was amongst the last to see them uh, alive. Uh, there was another guy who passed away earlier on the climb and uh, six people died when we were on the mountain. Um, so that's why I didn't climb. That's that's why I didn't get to the top because I didn't want to go mess with it. And it was rescue effort after rescue effort trying to help this other team. Wow. I mean, that's what you forget in all of this is that there are so many different levels of danger Yeah. yeah. In, in the process of it. And I feel like especially when it comes to people thinking, well, if you're going to climb a mountain, you do Mount Everest. And, you know, there's all these articles about the fact that there's like lines at the top of Everest now because everybody's just sort of wanting to do it. And when, when did you at what point did you say I'm going to climb Mount Everest? And can you talk about the Everest experience? Yeah, absolutely. After I had finished four of the seven summits, I decided, you know what? I think I have what it takes. I had climbed dozens of other mountains in the U.S., climbed all over Alaska and Canada. It's like I think I have every basic component of what it takes to climb Everest. If it's not now, it's only going to get harder as I go. I'm going for it. So I, I uh, worked my tail off, earned the funds, spent the money, spent nine months training, went to Everest. It's a two-month climb there. And I didn't experience anything about the mountain that was criticized, um, in, that's criticized in the news. I found it pristine. People say there's trash everywhere. I didn't see it. I thought it was much cleaner than any American national park. At Camp 4, there's some trash, um, but they're actively working to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. As far as lines at the top, I just got good at picking days when I thought uh, if everybody's going on this day, I'm going to go on the other days. So those are the, you know, the snapshots, single moments of the busiest day of the busiest moment that make it look like, oh, my gosh, it's a zoo up there. Well, I don't really agree with that. But, you know, I'm sure on that day it was for those people. Um, the second and, there's a Starbucks up there, that's yeah. when we're really I mean, going to pull the trigger. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. there, there is a knockoff Starbucks sign on the trek in, <laughs> in the town of Lukla. So you land 
and there's there's a Holiday Inn sign, which is just a ripoff. It's not Holiday Inn, of course. And then there's a Starbucks logo. This just a guy like hucking hucking coffees, and he's like, "Who's gonna come get me? Honestly, who's gonna do anything? Who's uh, really?" I dare What's you, Mr. Starbucks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know what I liked about dollars for a latte. You know, it's interesting in the documentary when you talk about um, like your like your carbon footprint or your footprint there where, yeah. you know, even like if you have to, you know, even if you're taking a pee break, you do it in the one spot where the flag is and all that. And when you're climbing, uh, it was really interesting when you're like, there's no trace of me now. Cause when you, mm-hmm. you know, you saw your footprints and all of a sudden you look back and like the wind like, blows, the snow comes and, and you just never existed there. It <sighs> is incredible. Well, there's so much prep that goes into it. Is Everest the longest prep that you do? You accept that you're giving a year of your life to the preparation of this mountain. I, I did, and I had to. I thought my body has to be the best piece of equipment that I own. I can go and buy an Arcteryx jacket or a North Face Jumar or any of this equipment, but I had to get myself into the best shape ever. Oh, my um, God. I can imagine. So, I, mine would be a broken-down John Deere. That would be, <laughs> that's my piece of equipment that I'd be bringing up yeah. with just a really sad trailer. Like a red flyer wagon with yeah. one wheel. <laughs> Airstream. Yeah. What is the preparation for that? What do you mean? You, you, it's just about diet exercise, or it, you know what goes into preparing to climb? Uh, it was it was training like a professional athlete, um, uh, as far as conditioning. So it, every day I did a mock summit day. I knew that the summit day would be three thousand vertical feet on Everest, and so I wanted that to be my baseline standard, so that if anything got thrown off it wasn't like can i reach to get to 3000 feet it was like can i fall back to 3000 feet uh-huh. uh, can i can i fail and then ha- know that that's my the worst of my training days yeah. so 3000 vertical feet whether on a stair stepper or out in the mountains and then on top of that there was between 2 and 4 hours of training either on a bike to get my legs strong in the pool to train my lungs to work without oxygen um a lot of cardio kickboxing. I got a trainer here who's a kickboxing trainer. His name's Alan Huron. He's awesome. Uh, and the other component was uh, leg uh, kind of squats and, and yeah, working, working my core and legs and atrophying my upper body because that's extra weight. That doesn't help you much on Everest. You want the weight, you want the muscle in your legs and your core. So I try and reduce my my arm size in order to just be this like tree trunk walking through the mountains. Oh, you're like a oh reverse Popeye. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have one, one leg is giant right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the size of that guy's calf. It's just the one though. <laughs> like you guys, I'm just working knee today. I'm just going to work my left that's knee all right. at the gym. <laughs> Tons of spinach though. Planet fitness. Um, I mean, you, there's my- a- Singular calf day. <laughs> that guy just keeps doing raises, man. Like what is he doing? Raises. His chest is so small. Oh <laughs> I mean, there's lots of, I'm sure, proudest moments. Uh, can you give me one of your proudest moments through all of these endurance trials? Like one mm. of those moments where you sat outside of yourself and you said, God damn it, I did this today. Um, when... Climbing Elbrus, which is Europe's tallest, it's in Russia. I opted not to take the snowcat, which is like, there's all these debates about where the mountain actually starts for each climb. 
on Elbrus, you can go from the high camp, but take a snowcat like a thousand feet up, and then the snowcat drops you off and says, okay, guys, go, because it's a pretty easy grade. And I decided I was going to walk that because I thought that was like a little too much extra help for me. Um, so I had this day that was like 17 hours that was uh, certainly a proud moment because those end up being really steep slopes. But as I'm telling that story, it takes me back to actually one of the first mountains I climbed, which I mentioned was the Grand Teton. My buddy and I didn't, couldn't afford a tent. And this is something that most people do in two nights, three days. Well, we depart not being able to afford a tent. So we say, well, we just have to do it all in one shot. Oh. We also couldn't afford gear. Uh, and our whole plan was because we had harnesses and a rope, but nothing else, we were just going to climb along with ourselves tied to each other. And if something went wrong, it was the other person's job to jump on the other side of the rock and then we'd pendulum. And that, that was like our whole safety plan. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> the so dumbest. You, you did like the three stooges safety guide. That's yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the dumbest, dumbest way to start. Oh, uh, wow. Climbing. But that push doing something that, you know, previously I'd only ever climbed, like I ran a marathon that was four hours and 20 minutes. I think I climbed it in. Well, here I did something that was like 19 hours and there was no choice but to get back because we didn't have a tent. So I have to keep moving. Uh -huh. And that moment of pulling into that parking lot, walking back in and going, oh my gosh, I actually made it. We did this in one push. Uh, even despite our stupidity of safety yeah. was a, a huge moment of, I think I've got some inner willpower. That was my first time of discovering that. And that was a really proud moment. Um, all right, so here's my biggest question for you, sir, because we are a comedy advice podcast. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Best piece of advice I've ever received? The first thing that comes to mind is don't take yourself so seriously. <laughs> Just like chill out. <laughs> Thank and you. That's, no, that's for me. Trust me. That's for yeah. me. Yeah. Like, that's for the both of us. That's uh, for all of us. Like my whole thing with climbing these mountains was wanting to be this like yeah I'm, i did this thing that everybody thinks is badass and now it's like i don't take it that seriously i'm still just a human being i can show up with you guys and tell some stories and hang out and that's where the beauty of life is that's where the magic of life is just who you are in that moment and if you take yourself so seriously that you think like uh once someday i achieve this thing and i gotta work so hard at it you're missing the rest you're missing what's happening right now mm -hmm. so don't take yourself so seriously and be here with the people who are here with you now. Um, well, I, I tell you what, I would love to like sit down and have a cocktail with you when this mess is passed and you come over to the East Coast as you should because damn it, we're cool here on the East Coast. But in the meantime, we here at Dear Pod every week do a specialty cocktail and this week's specialty cocktail is in honor of you, sir. And Amazing. Are we, should we, do we sing it? Do we sing it to him? Oh. <gasps> specialty cocktail, specialty drink. We're we making didn't a climb drink a mountain, for a special guest. No, but we watched someone else do it. Wasn't that wonderful? <laughs> well, I eat donuts. All right. So this week's cocktail is because of the thing that we first heard you say. It's funny because we both watched the documentary separately and texted each other about this. This week's specialty cocktail is the Pisco Sour. 
Oh, yeah. Yes, because <laughs> according to your Mount Vincent documentary, this was the cocktail you all had before you took on the feat of climbing a massive mountain. And we many when we returned. That's oh, so that's your cocktail is the Pisco Sour. The Pisco Sour. And uh, Ernest Shackleton used to drink those in the same bar. We went to the spot he used to drink. He's the guy who was the Antarctic Explorer. So absolutely, Pisco oh, Sour man. to the pod. Oh, man, this means I'm going to have to go on adventure after I do this. Well, we can go hot pot golf. You know why? Because it's got egg whites in it. So I feel like it's huh. got some protein. There so this is it inspired from the adventures of Mr. John Beatty. Uh, here are the, the ingredients for all the people making a Pisco Sour at home before you climb your own mountain. It's an egg white from one egg, one and a half ounces of Pisco, three quarters of an ounce lemon juice, one ounce simple syrup, and three to five dashes of Peychaud's bitters. So in a cocktail shaker, you strain one egg white and all the ingredients dry shake. Then you add ice and shake for 30 seconds. Pour in a coupe glass and garnish with light dashes of bitters. Now here are the tasting notes from our Jules, our fabulous producer. Welcome to the national drink of Peru. Pisco is an unaged brandy that is made in both Peru and Chile. <laughs> he spelled chili like it's the, the meaty sauce. <laughs> like, like, like a chili Like the you place eat. your parents can't go or won't exactly, go. Exactly. Yeah. Nice callback, John Beatty. You're a shock fiend. It's because he has so much oxygen going to his brain. See, now, this cocktail is said to have been invented by the American bartender Victor Von Morris in the early 1920s in Lima. I love a cocktail with egg whites. It tells me that it's going to be foamy and sour. Two words that describe me to a T. Sure. So whether you're concurring the Himalayan mountains, I don't know what this is, or walking up that steep hill on the other side of the block where you walk your dogs every day and have to pause at some point because you're out of breath because it really knocks the wind out of you. There is always time for a liquid celebration on the other side of your radical outdoor adventures. Happy climbing and Godspeed, John Glenn. That is the Pisco Sour, ladies and gents. We are very excited to have a cocktail in honor of you. And it's such a shame that you're in Vegas with all the strippers and blow instead of being here in New Jersey (laughs) with us. Having a Pisco Sour in honor of you. Of course, we're having this and then we're probably taking a nap. Instead yeah. of climbing a We're mountain, definitely the not next climbing day. anything. Maybe the stairs. So this is in honor of you, sir. The Pisco Cheers. Sour. I'm excited to try this. Cheers. What's in your cocktail? What's in your Yeti beverage? Unfortunately, just coffee. Mm. I would have done a Pisco Sour with you had I known. Had oh my only, god! Oh my! That is fantastic. I would climb a mountain after this. I'd well, fight a bear wait, do, after this. Don't you? Don't you drink it after you climb, or is it before and after? Summer before, during, and after. I'm more of an after guy, but okay. to each his or her own. Yes. Oh, Do you bring okay. uh, booze with you on the journey? Because that's the only way that you could get me up to the next level of base yeah, camp. It'd be like a carrot dangling. Yeah, exactly. On, on birthdays and holidays, there's definitely been a whiskey shot or two had at some high mm. altitude. Well, John, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I really much. enjoyed it. This is really Thank great. you so much for having me on. And that documentary I, was absolutely fantastic. It, it was. A, thank you. So wonderful to watch, and like just, honestly, when you when you were talking about the the it seriously was like a Billy Joel song, which we talked about earlier. Like the <laughs> cathedrals, they what was it again? What did you say? God's cathedrals. God's cathedrals. Yeah. Seriously, and then when you pan to it, you're like, oh, I yeah, that makes sense. 
Wow. That totally makes sense. It's it was just, just cool. like the imagery you're like the imagery and the way that you describe everything was just so just absolutely wonderful and a, a different and yet refreshing way that you deliver all this info. It was fantastic. So thank, thank you. you. It was a it was a journey to create that for sure because I didn't know if I wanted to get that personal mm-hmm. explaining what's going on inside of you know my heart and my mind as I'm mm-hmm. climbing. And when I finally made the decision, like, there's no way to explain how important this is to me or what it meant unless I go there. Like, there's no way to convey that. Then it became like, well, is this guy going to come across as nuts? And it was also me reckoning, like, what does this mean having climbed it? So that was where I did the work of figuring out what all these mountains meant to me. Tell the good people where they can find you online. If anybody wants to get a copy of this book, The Warrior Challenge, please go to Amazon. Put it in your cart right now. You're looking for the bright red cover, The Warrior Challenge, Eight Quests for Boys to Grow Up with Kindness, Courage, and Grit. If you'd like to follow my mountaineering adventures or hire me as a keynote speaker or virtual speaker, then please go to johnbede.com. It's J-O-H-N-B-E-E-D-E.com. Uh, and that's where you can get all the information about my courses, other po- like my podcast and the uh, uh, keynote services that I offer. Are you on Instagram? I'm on Instagram. It's at John Beatty. All my social media is at John Beatty. Oh, Lovely. Perfect. Nice. perfect. I will be stalking you on the regular, sir. I am fascinated. Thank you so much for being such Thank an being awesome guest. I will follow back. All right. Oh, my God. Really? Oh, People promise that. Me, guys. That's it was a really lot. fun. <laughs> Thank you so much, love. Have a wonderful day. Go get yourself a Pisco Sour. You too. Thanks <laughs> so much. <laughs> Bye. All right, Bye. I'm on it. That was great. I know.